Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of the Language Facilitation Helpline podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. The fastest results come when you enjoy the process of language facilitation. I'm very happy to have you here. I decided today to move into a little bit more detail to give you some Yeah, to just give you some ideas about what's going on right now. Last week, I talked about the war on speech or over speech. It's not the war on speech. Everybody wants speech, but the the war is over. How are we as professionals, how the people out in the world, how our parents, how our caregivers helping children make this shift? Because there are more and more and more late talkers happening, especially since the pandemic. And if you're one of those parents who has decided that maybe you tried. I mean, obviously the standard route is to get your child diagnosed with autism so that you can slide them right into that ABA track. The schools are developing ABA classrooms. ABA is applied behavior analysis. The other word that is going around to use it is verbal behavior or picture exchange, PECs, picture exchange communication system, or picture books. It could be in a book, it could be cards, it could be um, a tablet form. All of those things are the verbal behavior. They are exchange-based methods that are designed to help kids say words However, they don't solve the problems. They don't develop functional spoken language, just um, needs-based, just requesting is all they do. And if you've decided you want more than that and you're moving on, that's what today's video is about. I'm going to be talking about how you and your family can help this child and the whole situation transition from ABA to natural language facilitation, because that's what I talk about doing. And so I have 10 strategies for you on this video to use if you are in the process of making the shift. And the first shift that you have to make is to decide to stop it. You can't do, you can't mix natural language facilitation and ABA. There is no kind version, people who are doing it in a nice way. Obviously, they're not strapping kids in chairs or beating them or shocking them anymore with negative reinforcement to get them to do things like they did back in the old days. There's flavors on this um, ABA that make it seem like it's less exchange-based than it is, but really remember all the doing is using your child's favorite things to get them to do things. They withhold those things in order to get your child to perform so that they look good as practitioners. They can write all this data to say your kids are doing it. Now, we've talked before about why that process is different than natural language facilitation. And here are the 10 strategies that I have for you if you are looking to transition away. You've been there. Your child's been in that therapy. They've been prompted and prompted and prompted and prompted and prompted. They've been given picture books. They've been sign language, all those other things. Let's get into the tips of 
how you have to do this. And the first one is that you have to discuss this shift with your child. Remember, you put them into this therapy and now you're going to take them out. They may have made relationships, even nice relationships with their ABA teachers or therapists or things like that, or they could be manipulating them. But there is real reasons. There are real reasons that you have second guessed this ABA and now have made the decision to transition away. It could be that the child's not making progress. It could be that you're seeing increased frustration. It could be that you're, you can't afford it, that um, you it's too far away, that there's too many kids, that the system has changed. Maybe it's different when now than it was when you started and you're less satisfied. That's the whole reason that you're leaving is you're not satisfied with the results and the experience. It's not just the results. It's literally every day. Are you struggling to get your child to the therapy? Are you struggling to pay for it? Are you struggling to wait in the waiting room? Are you struggling to watch your child upset when they go? All of these struggles are the reasons that you're making the shift. You need to talk about all of them with your late-talking child. A lot of parents don't believe that their late-talking child, even the ones that are little, even the ones that are two or three years old, they believe that they can't understand why these big changes are being made. Now, remember, you put them in that therapy probably without talking about it with them first. Now that you're making a change, any change you make in this child's life, it's very, very important in natural language facilitation that you connect with the child over everything that you're doing, especially about them and their life. So, that's the first strategy is to talk to them about it. Now, you've got to transition away from the ABA people, and this is how you do that. You need to tell those practitioners that you want a break, that you've been trying this for a while, that you've given it the whatever time that you've given it, even if it's just a couple of weeks. It doesn't matter how long you have been with the ABA. You have the right and, I'm just going to throw it out there, the responsibility to help this child succeed in a way that is enjoyable for him, for you, for the practitioners, for everyone. You have this responsibility and that there is, you are making a change and it's okay. They're going to potentially try to pressure you into staying with fear-based, all the wait list and all the evaluations and all the things that you had to go through to get the diagnosis, to get the whatever, to get this ABA therapy. They're going to hold that over your head and say, oh, you're going to have to do all that all over again. You're going to lose your spot. You're going to have to wait. You're going to be without anything. But that's not true because what's happening actually is that you you are making a shift. You are transitioning weights. Not that you're not doing anything. I promise you weren't doing nothing before. And if the therapists and ABA people try to pressure you into saying that they, their profession, what they know about 20 years of working with kids with autism or decades of XYZ that they've been doing or running this classroom or working with kids for decades, they've already proven that whatever they know and whatever they're putting together is not working for you. You don't want to argue with that about them. You just want to say thank you for the opportunity to try this method that is obviously so well evidence-based, but 
you want something different because of all those things we talked about in number one, all the reasons that you decided your reasons are valid, your fears are valid, your concerns are valid. And if these uh, this agency isn't willing to work with you to talk about eliminating exchange from their process, which they can't because that's what ABA is. That's why you just have to say, thank you. We're moving on. Okay. So that's definitely important. And then if they do give you pressure, I just want to give you this ammunition if you need it, because again, this is a war and these people could be trying to fight you because you're taking away their livelihood. You're taking away their power as an influencer over your child. You're taking away their paycheck because you're taking your funding out. All of those things are happening and they're going to remind you that what they know is great and valuable and evidence-based and the only thing available for your child, because from their perspective it is. And you just want to remind them that it's not. There are many, many ways to work with children, as many ways as there are children, as many ways as there are practitioners. And there are practitioners all over the world who do not use this exchange-based method. In fact, I've given you names of them right now. In this one, let's number four, you can refer them to Dr. Stanley Greenspan, Dr. Stephen Camerata, and Dr. Perry, Barry Present, who all pioneered in their own ways, individually pioneered this evidence for social and connected language learning. So these are the practitioners, the evidence makers that um, are your own evidence that you can share just in case you need to have that. And if those people don't succumb or don't subscribe to those things, that's not how we do things here. There's another reason for you to leave that place. If it is the only place that has been assigned to you by the public school or whatever, then that's when you have to really work on establishing alternatives. And this is how you're going to do it. So after you refer and you decide that you're actually leaving this place, you just leave it behind because you have to move forward into your new plan. And how you're going to do that is you're going to get this workbook right here. I'm going to take it away. You're going to do this workbook right here, and you're going to complete the profiles together with your late talker. You're going to evaluate what are the blockages to the spoken language. You're going to evaluate what are the topics that the late talker wants to talk about. You're going to evaluate where your mindset is around the whole process and what level of connection you have together. That's what's in the workbook. Because once you learn those things, then you can start the process yourself. So you need to connect as a family, not just you and the late talker, but everybody who's involved in the entire process and discuss this plan and schedule every day. You're going to schedule. You need to have two to three hours every day because think about you are replacing the intervention that you were paying someone else to do and the evidence behind those interventions, all of them, including the ones that I'm using now, indicate that you need to be intensive with this late talker. You need to be engaged with them about speech two to three hours every day, every day, not just one time a week for an hour in the speech therapy, excuse me. And if that's what you're working with right now, then this is your responsibility as well, because it is, it is your job to connect with this late talker and talk about 
your plan. So you work together to schedule your plan and you do that in the workbook. All right, now once you decide, all right, we're going to make this shift, we're going to stop doing these old habits, and we're going to start doing the new habits, that's the next step here. You need to decide that you're going to be in these new habits as often as you are, at least as you are scheduled, and as often as possible before. So you need to give up. Make the decision now that you have to give up hand over hand prompting your child to do things and requesting them to do things or say things that you can help them accomplish. So if you know you can help them do this thing, make a decision right now, you're gonna, it's, it's gonna feel like a few steps backwards because you know your child can do these things and perhaps you've just been prompting them to do it and that whole idea of, he won't do it unless I prompt him. That was created through these exchange-based methods. The kids are learned, they're learned through these things. They're taught to sit and wait for someone to prompt or guide them. And so this is the idea where you're not going to reach in and make things happen just to get through them. You're going to, at least in the times that you've scheduled, give up the opportunity to hustle through it and take the time, work together, demonstrate everything you do, because that's what you're going to have to do is demonstrate how things go. So that's how it works next. Number eight here is to be prepared, because if you're giving up therapy that you have relied on for this late talker to move forward and you're moving forward with a different kind of intervention because remember the problems still exist your late talkers still having tantrums they're still not using words to ask for things they're still manipulating you and going behind your back and getting in things all these problems are happening right so you have to be prepared in each one of these scenarios to demonstrate everything, everything that you're doing and give more explanations for why and how you're doing it. Don't talk about them. Chase them around and talk about what they're doing and ask them to change. It's already too late. With lang natural language facilitation, you are facilitating the child to make this improvement independently. You're not making them do anything. That's the main difference between ABA and natural language facilitation is ABA, you make the child do things hand over hand, prompt them until they do thing that same thing independently on command. But we don't have that expectation with language facilitation. With this, you are trusting in your connection with the child and your demonstration of what you are doing and saying is so valuable to this child that you will, they will pick it up and use it. And that is what you have to plan for in your entire process of language facilitation. So be prepared. As it says here, be prepared to model everything you are doing. And remember, you made a plan to schedule in these times that you're going to connect and model. And these don't have to be therapy things that you are doing. These are everyday life. It happens from sunup to sundown if you're getting dressed, if you're brushing your teeth, if you're cooking food, if you're taking out the trash, if you're wrapping presents, if you're doing whatever you're doing, decorating, baking, all these things. 
this is these are the opportunities that you have already in your life already scheduled in your day to connect with this late talker over and now that you potentially have a break for even the temporary break over the holidays you can try it out so when you go back you can make the decision to leave permanently because you have to leave you have to leave that other stuff behind you cannot do these together you this is a transition you are making from one to the other all right let's look at number nine Number nine here is to draw clear boundaries, right? Just like the teachers at school do and the therapists do at school, they create a fairly controlled environment, right? So that they can use the rules of the environment, the regulations, the strategies to create win-win environments. So we can have lots of fun learning if all the kids pay attention, right? That's the, what I'm talking about here with boundaries. And the same kind of situation needs to happen in your everyday life. So you have to draw clear boundaries about when and why and how it's time to go out, eat snacks, open presents, um, play with toys, have screen time. All of that stuff is scheduled into your day, just like they do at school. So there's not too much of outside playtime and not enough math learning. You know what I mean? In your life, you have to have a balance. So it's all about this. And then remember, whenever you have restrictions, like you can't go out, you always have to consider the child's feelings because you want them to consider your feelings. The reason you have those restrictions is because you don't want to get up in the middle of the night to go outside when your child is curious and interested to go out and look at the moon or something like that. There's boundaries around that. We don't do that in our house. You are the CEO and boss of your house. Just like at school, they say, we don't do these things at school. We do these other things. We are kind. We we share, we, you know, all of the things that the, that you want your late talker to learn. That's up to you right now to draw those clear boundaries and expectations while considering everyone's feelings about it. You have those expectations because you're afraid. So for example, nobody's allowed to touch the hot stove or the sharp knives or run out at the house without an adult there together with you. Um, the adult does it first. They give you an opportunity to try these dangerous things when they know that you are available. And this is the mindset that you have as a language facilitator. You'll let them do whatever, because remember, we're raising kids to be adults. So at some point, they have to learn how to navigate a hot stove if they want to learn to cook. They have to learn how to navigate busy streets if they want to take a walk by themselves independently someday. Not saying that this is happening next week, but this is when the training starts, you see, right at the beginning with natural language facilitation. And, and what you train in your household is going to be different from every other family that they are facilitating in their household because your late talkers wants, needs, and interests. Your family's values, boundaries, cultural situations are all different, but they are there for you to create your scenario and your boundaries around. So that's what it's all about. If you're going to make the transition from a very highly structured intervention that is evidence-based and does get kids to make change, right, you have to find a way to do get those same outcomes or better 
right? And I believe that you'll get better outcomes with language facilitation when you look at your profile, your late talkers profile, your connection, your mindset, those things are what makes or breaks progress because progress happens naturally with language facilitation, not right when you say they do it. Look, he's going to do whatever, because remember, we're not making anybody. We're not prompting anybody. It's all about getting through your life with more enjoyable times and more fun. And that's why the number 10 strategy here is to have fun, right? So strive for modeling, just every day, strive for modeling, nice, understanding. I understand how you feel. Oh boy, you're really upset by that. I guess I wasn't listening. You know, everybody's perspective. You need to model everybody's perspective to share. Oh, daddy doesn't like it when you do that. Or daddy really likes it when you do that. And same with yourself. As you talk about your surroundings with nice understanding, slowly spoken, right? You just have to really talk slowly. But the key here is to give more spoken language models than you are expecting. You shouldn't expect any kind of spoken language outcome unless it really is a verbal behavior like say hello to Mrs. Jones next door, right? Because that is a behavior that we're teaching that's a verbal behavior, a social verbal behavior. And the only way you can teach that is through modeling it. When you go outside and you see Mrs. Jones next door, you wave at Mrs. Jones and you say, hi, Mrs. Jones. Joey, say hi to Mrs. Jones. Hi, Mrs. Jones. And you don't expect Joey to do it, but you still model and prompt it in that circumstance because not only is that good for Joey to learn that That's how we say hi to Mrs. Jones, but Mrs. Jones also sees that you are connected with Joey and that you want Joey to be connected with Mrs. Jones. It's not just Joey's attached to your side like the dog or somebody else. Joey's a real human being, these late talkers, including them in cooperative, collaborative experiences out in the world. This is fun. It's fun to say hi to neighbors. It's fun to get the mail from the mailman. It's fun to pay the lady at the grocery store. Language facilitation happens everywhere with everything that you do in the house, out of the house, at the store, at the aquarium, at the zoo, in the bed, in the bathtub, in the car. It happens everywhere. And that's the perk about ABA versus natural language facilitation. ABA, they have to keep you coming back hours and hours and hours and hours every week. 20 hours a week is kind of the minimum because they're trying to mold and change this child and they know they need a lot of hours and repetition. With natural language facilitation, you schedule in that two to three hours, but I promise you, once you pick up these habits, you're going to be doing it 24-7. You're going to start talking like me. You're going to talk carefully. You're going to be more fun and attractive and exciting with your language models. You're going to help your late talker do everything instead of expect them to perform for you. You're going to be a team player and a coach and a celebratory, a cheerleader at the same time. You are facilitating improvement. And your expectations are only to show up and participate. Because if you make things so easy, happy, safe, and fun for your late talker, They'll be 
so ready to give up any of that other stuff that wasn't working for them, that that was frustrating for them, that was too limiting. And that's the other thing about natural language facilitation versus ABA. ABA talks below a child's mental age because they judge a child's mental age by their verbal output and their lay talkers. And we all know they understand far, far more. And I'm going to say far, 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 far more than anybody gives them credit for. Because when I have conversations about these kids in just in earshot, I'm not even talking to them, but I'm talking about them to other adults, talking about how great they're doing, talking about their skills and talents and abilities. You see them light up. You see them come over. You see them want to join the conversation and you see them wanting to show off because the next day they show up better. Every day they show up better if you show up every day. So that's the idea. Making the transition, it's not easy. It's just uh, different. And it's work for you. You cannot rely on someone else to schedule out your child's intervention. That's going to be up to you. You can't rely on someone else to solve the problems that are happening in your home. Frustrations, smearing, not eating, not giving up tech, not sleeping, all those things that kids are using to manipulate you. It's all behavior. Communication. Communication, behavior, behavior, communication, it's all the same because they change when you change. That's how you know it's behavior and not some kind of subliminal, unconscious thing that they're doing. It's so amazing in this war on speech. I hear there are actual speech therapists that do not give children credit for meaning behind their babbling or their behaviors. They just think that these are, I don't know, that they think that they're not human beings, that they're some kind of animal that scratches their ear just because they're, I don't know. I don't know why they think every, even animals use behavior as communication. And it's ridiculous to not see the messages behind them. And the th- the reality is parents always see the messages behind. How do you know that your late talker has to go to the bathroom before they show you? How do you know that they're hungry before they're able to say, you figured this out? And this is what the ABA people don't do. They don't read between the lines. They don't look behind the behavior. They just see it's not the behavior I asked, so it's wrong. And all behaviors communication. And if a child is told over and over that their communication is wrong or bad or not appropriate or shutting them down because you're disturbing other people with your communication. Yeah, they're going to get more silent. They're going to get quiet. So it could be at the first period of time in this transition, your child's just kind of looking at you like, what are you doing? Who are you? Why are you talking so much? Why are you doing all this? You can't give up because the transition is big. Depends on how long your child's been in that ABA. They're prompt dependent or potentially prompt avoidant, and they might not even want to engage with people at all. They might be so isolated in their own selves that they don't want to. That's why you need all 10 of these to work with the child, not just leave those people. You have to leave those people, but with your child together, you have to leave those old things behind. So you have to stop being ABA people at home. You have to stop the pictures. You have to stop the prompting. You have to stop the hand over handing and give assistance. Just help them get it done. And yeah, it's not done as well as it is when you do it for them or you prompt them through it, but 
Otherwise, you're going to be doing that job forever. And the idea here is to create independent children who are self-caring independently, who are learning those skills so well that they can take care of other people, who are talking so well that they can use those skills to teach other people what's going on in their mind. This is the level that we're looking for here. So there is no reason for you to keep doing any strategy that does not feel good to you. There is no reason to keep doing it, especially if it feels bad to you, especially if you've seen change in a negative way, if you've seen more frustrating behaviors. And then here's the other test. Let's say you've got a little break now coming up over the holiday and you've got a few days or up to a week off. A lot of these ABA centers will be open next week because they don't want to lose the money of you and they're making all their people work over that whole week. I suggest you take a break or take the week or whatever. And if you do have time off, try these strategies yourself and see how far you get. See how far you get. If you're working with the workbook, dig into it this week and see how far you get. I promise you, your results, your own results that you see, how far you get this week working with the workbook and these 10 strategies, that's going to be your make it or break it whether you're ready to leave or not. Because it's just your fear and worry and some sort of opinion that you have about yourself that you're not capable of doing this. But remember, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and caregivers and all of you guys out there, people have been teaching, non-professional, moms, dads, caregivers have been teaching children to use spoken language forever. Before there ever was a teacher, before there ever was a therapist, before we ever were judging kids for one being later than another, parents were working with their kids to help them use spoken language to communicate from wherever they are right now, transitioning into spoken language, that child's best spoken language. They've been doing it forever, even before there ever was a therapist. That means that you can do it too. That means that you can do it too. Don't let the outside stuff get in the way of your power, your privilege, and your fun. Because if it isn't fun, it isn't fun. And that's the whole idea behind language facilitation. So I hope that you guys will do this and we'll see. So let's see. There's a couple questions came in here, pretty. <laughs> let's see. Um... Does pausing and not responding to verbal communication count as prompting? If it doesn't move, if I don't move when my kid pulls my hand to take me, instead I wait to say words. Is this ABA-ish? Yes, it is. If your child is communicating to you and you're not responding to the nonverbal communication, hoping they'll talk, that's prompting, and that's not responding with understanding communication. So yes, that's ABA-ish. You have to stop that. Here's the other one. Also, to teach a new skill, like reading a new book, I use first, then approach. It asks If he asks for the iPad, I ask him to read a book with me first. Is this appropriate? No, that is an exchange. These are very good, Preeti, examples of what I'm telling you, you have to give up. The reason your child is still not talking is because these are both exchange. These are perfect examples of exchange. If you read the book, then you get the iPad. Why isn't the book interesting? Why isn't the book more interesting than the iPad for your late talker? That's your job as a language facilitator. 
not someone who's making a child learn skills so that why does he need to read that new book? Why are you interested in reading the new book? How good is he at the old book? Is he independent with the old book? Is he choosing to bring that book to you or is it choose or is it you choosing to take that book to him? That's what we're giving up. You have to give these things up. I have parents in my program that have been working with me for years and they send me videos and they're still hand over handing or they're brushing their kids teeth because they're so, I don't know, afraid that their child will never develop independence, that they never let them try. If you keep using these tactics, these hacks, these are ABA hacks. It's not a real prompt. I just wait and play dumb. Your child knows you know. If forever he's been dragging you to the kitchen to get to the things that you want, and suddenly you don't respond to that, he's just going to think you're being mean, right? The way you respond when kids do it, Preeti, if you don't have this workbook and you're not working with this, after all of the questions that you've asked on my channel, it's very, very important that you make this shift. That's why I'm doing this video now. That's why there's a war going on, because there's people who will say, yeah, it's just these little strategies that I use. There's two examples from Preeti that everybody can see of how these nice little things that I do, your child un is annoyed by them. Would and, and again, just turn it around. Let's take a look. How would you feel if you were, your, you couldn't talk because you had a sore throat and you were like pointing to the lozenges for your partner? And he was like, what do you want? I don't understand. What do you want? You would be frustrated and angry, and especially if you weren't feeling well, even more frustrated and angry. If somebody ignores your communication, your nonverbal communication, just to get you to work harder when you're the one that's not feeling well, it's never going to work. Never long-term. Like you might get through the thing now, but never long-term. Let's talk about this one. So to teach a new skill, like reading a new book, you want your child to learn something new. So let's say, for example, they're not brushing their teeth or they're not getting dressed or they're not playing with books, right? And you want them to learn a new thing, right? First of all, your child is stuck on his iPad. You got to find out what's so great about that iPad and you got to work with that iPad to tell stories. That's the modality he likes. That's the modality he uses. And then you have to get him to willingly give it up. Because what you've got in this book is at least as good, if not better than the iPad. And that's up to you to demonstrate why and how your reading book experience is something that he would want to choose on his own without a bribe of, you can watch iPad if you read this book with me. How is that appealing and independent? And if you have to keep doing it, how do you feel? When you have to bribe your kid to do things, now all you're doing is thinking about bribes. You're, you're missing it. You're missing it. This prompting stuff I know is very, very hard to give up, but it is what's necessary. It's what's necessary. You can't do these things. You cannot expect your child to do things based on you and wait for it to happen. It's not going to. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. And that's why your progress is slow because you won't give it up. Okay. I'm being real straight with you. 
because there is a war going on and there's people who will sneaky. You know, when you think about a war, it doesn't have to be out and out fighting. It's all like, I know my way, my mindset, my values, my situation is better than yours. And I'll just low key or talk about you behind your back or do whatever. These people who are telling you that you need to do these things at home to make your child say something again, why is it important for you to get your child to read a book? What is your child doing at home that is you have to do for them that you would love to give up? What is your child doing that is driving you crazy that you want them to stop because they're manipulating you and you're manipulating them? Like, what do you have to hide and and put away? And then how does your child sneak and break those locks and find those things? If you're doing a lot of that, then you're just trying to be like an ABA person. Because remember, they have to make such control in the environment that there is no opportunity for escape or refusal or whatever, because their job is to get more performance from the child, more performance, more performance. If they don't perform themselves, they prompt it or help them or whatever, because remember, they're just looking to get more check marks, yeses on their data sheet. They've got 10 times to get through this thing. And if they get eight out of 10 versus yesterday, they got six out of 10. That makes them look good as a practitioner, but it does nothing for your child. Nothing. They can tell you, look at all this improvement they're making. I've got data. But at home, you're having the same thing. You're still having to prompt them through it. And that's not the outcome you want. You don't want to look good as someone who can make your child do things like the therapist. That's what these ABAs. Yeah, I, I can get tons of compliance out of kids because I have good rewards, but it cannot sustain. It cannot. The older they get, the rewards get bigger, the demands get bigger, and then you can't sustain it. The reason you're still watching videos on my channel is because you haven't given it up. It's time to make the transition away from ABA and prompting and these hacks or putting things out of reach or, you know, uh, I'll, I'll reward you if you put it by your mouth. I'll reward, you know, like you're trying to get them to eat food and you're, I'll reward you if you touch it to your lips, even though it's something they hate, right? How am I going to make you eat something you hate? Is that sustainable? So someday when the child's 20, do you think they're going to pick up that thing and eat it because they choose to? No. What are you teaching with this ABA? That's what you have to really think about. That's what you have to really think about. Because what you're teaching is compliance and not independence. And I have tons of videos on my channel all about that. So that's enough for today's. Um, I, you know, I just get into this whole thing again with the war going on and your choice. So you don't have to engage in the war. You don't have to fight with these people. Just stay in your own lane, do your own thing, work your program with your child, keep yourself in lane. And if they judge you, then your job is to get your child so good at these behaviors that you can take them to school a regular school where they're not going to be bribing them to sit because you're going to teach them how to sit and pay attention and the value of the school because they don't see value in a school when they're just going to manipulate everybody there or be manipulated. They're either compliant and being manipulated or they're manipulating others and getting in trouble. Okay. So if you're the latter or the former, it doesn't matter. If the progress isn't happening the way you want it to happen, you have a choice.
you have a choice. Natural language facilitation. It's not just me. There's lots and lots more and more and more now providers who are making the shift away from these exchange-based methods because they know as providers, it doesn't feel good for them. And it can feel good for you as a mom trying to bribe your child into do things just so that they read a book. And it's not a connected experience then either. It doesn't feel that connected. If you want not more, you can learn how to work with me. So that's how this goes with language facilitation. Please visit the website, wavesofcommunication.com. I hope this was educational. You got everything you need out of it. And I'll see you all in the next one. With a whole range of Waves of Communication resources, from free content to customized coaching, you now have access to everything you need to elevate spoken language to infinite success. You are welcome to get your journey started with my 11-week language facilitation journey to speech workbook. You can access this workbook and all of the language facilitation resources on my website, wavesofcommunication.com.